creators of Eventful, this is a custom episode produced in partnership with Visit Seattle. The topic, the transformative changes taking place in forward-thinking convention centers today. The phrase convention center once brought to mind images of a huge boxy building set on the outskirts of a city. As long as it had enough space for a major event, it was good enough. But that's not cutting it for groups anymore. Today's attendees expect more out of their main meeting place. A more flexible layout, sustainable design, and more appealing look. Perhaps the biggest shift has been in how the convention center is integrated with the city around it. Rather than set apart from the rest of a destination's attractions, it's become an attraction itself, with an Instagram-ready facade or anchoring a large entertainment district. Convention centers are opening up, engaging the wider city, while ensuring attendees feel like they are in the middle of the destination's action, even if they spend most of the day on the trade show floor. To understand this shifting role of convention centers, look no further than Seattle. There, the Washington State Convention Center is in the midst of a transformation, constructing a new 1.5 million square foot building called Summit, northeast of the existing Arch Building. It aims to attract passers-by while ensuring anyone inside the convention center knows they're in the middle of downtown Seattle. To better understand this reimagining of the traditional convention center, we spoke with two of the people closest to the project. This episode of Eventful was created in partnership with Visit Seattle. Whatever size or style of meeting, Seattle brings groups up close and personal with the city's dynamic and innovative spirit with its downtown convention center. In spring 2022, Seattle will open Summit, giving the city two facilities a block and a half apart, providing meeting planners with more space to host and inspire attendees. Learn more about placing your meeting in the heart of downtown Seattle at visitseattle.org backslash meetings. Yeah, we, uh, we broke ground about a year ago. Steel's now coming up out of the building, so we're excited about progress. That's Jeff Blosser, Washington State Convention Center President and CEO, discussing the current state of the venue's planned summit building. We've been selling business from June of 22 on, and our current date is to get the building about end of November, 1st of December of 21. So we're excited about that. It really gives us an opportunity to really help meeting planners with choices. The building is about 20% bigger than the current building, so it allows for similar size groups to be able to to do that, but it also gives the groups we've had here on an ongoing basis, on an annual basis, the opportunity to grow, which I think is really important. The two buildings together really give us a chance to go after bigger business or let people co-locate events and meetings, select one of the two buildings. And I think the, the biggest issue for me has, has been that we've been turning a lot of business away. So it really gives us the opportunity just to sell more business and a facility that's going to be suited for whatever comes in, whether it's corporate or association or trade shows. I, I think also I'd add that it's such a unique project, maybe more unique than a lot of us realized when it's, it was a dream maybe 10 years ago that the convention center and their board had been working on. That's Visit Seattle president and CEO Tom Norwalk. But to have two almost equal-sized buildings a block and a half apart with no physical connection is really quite unique. We couldn't find very many comparables around the country, even around the world, in selling that. So we're learning a lot and have been as we have been selling about customer preferences and what works. And as Jeff said, it's we're finding there are groups that want a, a piece of both buildings. There are groups that we think will take both buildings, the entire campus. And some and often we all have separate groups 
in both buildings. And so it's uh, it's really been a great great experience to launch it. I think one of the other opportunities too, because of its location, and we now have both facilities that are right downtown. And both buildings are stacked, and a lot of convention centers being built or renovated are on the outskirts of a lot of the downtown core. And for us, it really puts us right there. And the two buildings still have access to all the hotel community, all the retail, all the restaurants, and the ability to walk to attractions in Pike Place Market, Capitol Hill. And I think that is a huge advantage. We don't use shuttles, and people get to enjoy the community as well, and and being coming and going from the convention center. So. It's a different scenario. I really think it's the next phase of urbanness, if, if that's the right word, for how convention centers are going to get built and be operated. Beyond just the expansion of the quantity, it really is the, the quality of it, the, the, the type of building, where it fits into the city, that's going to be an advantage for groups that are coming to the, the venue, not only if they have a larger group, but also ways to really engage with the wider city. You know, we're never going to be the biggest. We're not going to be Orlando or Chicago. But what we do very well, these two buildings will be able to do that. And I think that's where our sweet spot's going to be is to be able to have the type of conventions and conferences that meet what Seattle can offer and really do well. And and the two buildings are going to be right in that swim lane. So I'm really excited about that opportunity. I think what we've learned in 30 years of just outstanding performance in our existing convention center is the location, the proximity to so many hotels. And it is, I think, to Jeff's point, we're kind of an intimate size in terms of you're able to leave the center if you need to and run back to your hotel to grab something during a coffee break, which in many cities doesn't happen. It's just not feasible. And I think we've uh, we've also learned that over 30 years, we've got a lot of business that has not been able to find the dates they really want for Seattle. And that's also part of our, I think, feasibility study in terms of the demand and potential demand for a new building. So there's a lot of reasons why we think it's going to work. You'd mentioned the groups that were having to be turned away. And was that primarily because of their size or were there actual sort of types of events that this new addition is going to help facilitate? Size is always a critical indicator in in any client's preference on a city or destination or convention center. And the business that we turned away over 30 years and hundreds and hundreds of groups, it was business that could have fit in our building, but for any number of reasons, but primarily they finding the date pattern that the groups wanted were just not available. When that happens, especially in a building that has about a 75%, 70% association mix, you then lose that opportunity for that year, but you also then might be pushed out four to six years in terms of rotation to have them look at another set of dates that work. So a lot of that business was business that fits. And I think what the new building provides us, the summit, Uh, provides is the ability then for groups to grow, to use all of one, a part of the other, or in some cases, as we're finding, groups will take both buildings, their program lends itself to having two distinct centers within a campus setting, and we can do larger groups. And we're thinking and hopefully thinking that there'll be five to to ten of those maybe a year that will uh, take the entire campus. Maybe we can talk about some of the specific design elements that are going to be at the summits and what those are going to bring to the convention experience. The nicest thing about what the design has been able to do is really fit into the community. It's basically glass on, on all three sides and a retail component on the, uh, the 9th Street side on the entrance. 
And I think what it does is it really brings the outside to the inside and allows for the residents to see what's going on inside the convention center and then also bring the community into the, the center for those that are, that are visiting for the city. So I think that's a huge issue. We're stacked, like I said. We have almost 60,000 square foot ballroom that will have 70 foot high window on the east end that looks to Capitol Hill. And we also have the outdoor terrace, like you said, which I think will be really important. And then we have this complete area, uh, the what we call the hill climb, which is going to be a, a wood stairwell that's uh, right up against the windows. It allows you to be able to see all the way down to Pike Place Market in the bay. And it just gives a, uh, another opportunity for people to be able just to hang out or chill out, hook up their devices, do a little bit of business, and then network as well. And it's just one of those opportunities. We also have a lot of pre-function space, which I think is kind of where uh, meeting planners are going these days to be able to offer different types of meeting styles and uh, types of meeting sets. And we have as much pre-function space as we do uh, meeting and ballroom space. So that's, that's a pretty significant amount of space that allows for some flexibility in terms of what clients want to do. We have a flex hall, part of our exhibit space called the flex hall, and it's a carpeted uh, higher finishes 30-foot high ceiling, uh, divisible, and I think it's really going to be one of those areas that are going to be great for food and beverage, going to be great for plenary sessions and or trade shows or a combination of that. And I think that that flexibility is going to be critical and key for us to be able to book different kinds of business. seems like it's really giving groups a lot of options. They can kind of tailor the space in a way to whatever their particular needs are for that event. This might be more of a question for Tom, but there's, there's plenty of growth happening beyond the convention center, too. I think it's something like 2,200 new hotel rooms uh, have been added in the downtown just in the last two years or, or so. How is this addition fitting with the rest of the city's development and, and Seattle's sort of growth overall? It is clearly one of the largest projects the convention center ever done in the state of Washington from for that standpoint of size and scope and cost of building this building. But the city is going through probably the most transformational time frame we've ever experienced as a city. And it's not just the downtown core. It's from our airport, the, the ninth busiest airport in the country, expanding with international arrivals facilities, additional gates for traffic to keep up with the demand of our strong international uh, airline service growth that we've been experiencing. We have a waterfront in our city that's going through total transformation. The entire elevated viaduct has been uh, taken down. The promenade and waterfront now is being redeveloped and really becomes truly the front door to our city, which we've always shared that front door with a very active port and uh, maritime industry. So we've got from airport to downtown waterfront to uh, Seattle Center and our arena development at the where the site of the 1962 World's Fair continues to develop. And I think the point of growth and demand for hotel space fueled really that enormous hotel growth that we've experienced over the last two to three years. And you're right, over 2,000 rooms added in the last two years. We've done what I think a number of cities don't necessarily get the chance to do. We've added a lot of the new hotel inventory before the convention center opens in 2022. So the Hyatt Regency, which opened in December, is the largest hotel 
north of San Francisco, 1,260 rooms, and that is kitty corner to the construction site of where the summit will be and will open up. So we've got the added supply of hotel rooms, and that is a tremendous benefit because planners coming into the market now, planners that are looking at our city for future business can actually see and experience the hotel package that is already here and waiting for them uh, in future years coming in. So, yeah, there's so many things happening. I think people have described it as a combination of the gold rush back from the late 1800s and a World's Fair all combined again for the city. And I think that's that, again, is part of our excitement and how we're showcasing uh, this part of the, of the region to the world. I might also add, too, that during the convention center permitting process, we had a, a pretty large uh, public benefits part of our packaging to be able to get the permitting done. So convention center spending $93 million on affordable housing, pedestrian and bicycle improvements, park and open space improvements, uh, we're looking at public art and a, and a lid study as well, that lidding I-5, which could create some different uh, public spaces that is right adjacent to the convention center. So in addition to just the uh, the benefit that we have for bringing more guests into town, we also uh, had the ability to be able to add back to the community and, and, and offer some options there for things that are really necessary and needed here in the community right now. So we are really good community players in terms of being able to to give that back to them. So it's really kind of helping the downtown overall, not just the footprint of the convention center. Correct. Groups, it's more and more important when they're in a destination, they want to remember that they're in that destination. They don't want to just be in a generic blank four walls. They want to be reminded of what city they're in. Was that kind of a priority in in the design, making sure to make it really immersed in the city and remind people where they are? We have a couple rooms that that are meeting rooms that are a little uh, just a shy of 7,000 square feet that have a glass on both ends and you can look straight down Denny or Ninth Avenue to Denny Park and it's just an opportunity and, the, and those two rooms also overlook the Garden Terrace. So we have this opportunity to be able to see uh, historic Paramount Theater and the Camlin Hotel right from the convention center so people get a real feel of, of, of wherever you are, whether it's north, south, east or west of the center, you might be sitting on the hill climb or in the ballroom or in the signature rooms and really get an idea of the different aspects of what your surroundings are. And it's really no surprise that the destination, the more that a attendee can feel and experience the uniqueness of a destination makes a huge difference. And I think in site selection and in return business opportunities, we've, we experience a, a uniquely high percentage, uh, almost 70% of the business coming into our convention center is repeat. And I think the more a center can, can be representative of that destination and feel like the destination, the better it will compete. And so that's, uh, I think, always been one of our selling points. And certainly with the new building, it will be uh, even more so the way that's designed. Where the center is, uh, the new center, the Summit Building is, is we took a bus station out, which was basically a big hole in the middle of downtown. And we've been able to fill that up and then connect for neighborhoods, which I think is huge for people to be able to understand how to get to Capitol Hill or Denny Triangle or First Hill or just the the retail zone. So we've been able to really help put back into play uh, the ability for people to connect to the neighborhoods. And I think that's going to be an important part of how people get around downtown. The convention center is actually facilitating better connection than had been there before. 
Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a huge issue, especially for how walkable we are, that people can walk out of there and, and, and go two or three blocks to Capitol Hill and to a restaurant or uh, to Denny Triangle and, and see some parks or First Hill and freeway parks. It's really a not, nice opportunity. We've talked a bit about connecting the convention center to the surrounding city. What about bringing the city inside? Are there design elements or even things like, you know, the wine offered in the dining areas that are Seattle connected in some way? There's a couple, three different things that we're doing there. We have a $10 million worth of art and most of the artists are Northwest uh, in their design for both inside and outside the building. So people will be able to, as they come in, we're going to have some entrance art. We're having some art inside the facility. And we're also dressing up the outside so the pedestrian experience is as good as it possibly can be. And the majority of those are Northwest artists. Uh, We also, with our food service, you know, we buy local. Uh, 95-ish percent of our wine is all Washington wines and produced here. We also buy our proteins all in in, uh, Oregon and Washington from a Northwest standpoint, as well as our fruits and vegetables, which are fantastic here in the state. And then our menus are set along those kinds of things, so people get an authentic experience about the type of food and and, uh, the offerings we can do inside the convention center. And that's just in addition to the ability to be able to walk around and see what's going on. I think the building has to be as authentic as it can to the city that it serves. And I think the new convention center building will allow for that to take place. In the planning stages, as this design was being finalized and and determined, were were there sort of alternate ideas or how did you settle on some of these? Maybe you could, if you have an example of, you know, how the, the, the staircase design was decided on. Was there at any point where there was an alternate option considered? I'll, I'll let Jeff uh, jump in on that, but I would just say in the uh, evolution of design from the very early stages, what was initially projected as a large companion convention center with the direction from the center and and Jeff's engagement, all of a sudden there's atrium, there's light. It totally transformed. Yeah, I think the nice thing, and sometimes you get lucky in these projects, but uh, when we purchased the the bus station property, it actually went under the sidewalk. So we actually had right away on the sidewalk which really allowed then the architects to design this hill climb. And it sits right out on the sidewalk. Most of the time your buildings can't do that, can't go past your property line. And since our property line went to the street, really allowed for this type of design. And I think that was a, that, that's going to be a huge area that people will enjoy and be able to see. As Tom said, we have major atriums from the ceiling of the exhibit hall all the way up to the ballroom level that lets in the light from the outside. And it's probably a scenario that no other convention centers really have all the way through the building. And I think it just accentuates the type of uh, atmosphere that we're trying to create, which is really to make sure that people can have as much uh, outside influence, if you will, from the city uh, into the building. Like I said, we got kind of lucky on the on the right-of-way issue, but uh, with that, the, it really gave the architectural team the ability to take a look at that design for the hill climb and the design for the glass enclosure and then the atriums on the inside. Would you say this, the, the kind of the openness of the convention center and it really being so integrated into the downtown, is that that idea of seamlessly connecting it with the rest of the city, why do you think that that's such a priority now versus I, I feel like maybe 20 years ago was sort of, as you said, sort of the convention center would be sort of on the outskirts. 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a couple lot a couple things. Uh, one is just uh, being downtown gives you again that whole feel for the attendees and the ability to be able to to get to different things versus having to have to get on a bus or a cab to to go to some of the attractions, restaurants or retail. And so I think a lot more of the centers or cities are taking a look at making sure that their public facilities for attracting guests are in the downtown core because it just makes sense. And I just think in, from a construction standpoint or just a design standpoint, you want to be there. And uh, it makes it harder. Uh, but if you can do it, uh, then I think it's, it's well worth the expense. Uh, it's not cheap to buy property in downtown Seattle by any stretch of imagination, but it really is the right place. And it really is going to offer uh, us the opportunity to really showcase the community. And I think that's what people want. They're coming to Seattle for Seattle. They're not coming to the, you know, the Seattle for the convention center. They're actually coming for the experience of the destination. And, and we as a building have to be able to offer that to them. I think the design also emulates the shift in the demographics of who attends meetings and what they expect. And it kind of moving from the utilitarian nature of many convention centers and that were designed years ago to the more experiential uh, design, I think is in keeping with not only our market segments that we attract in Seattle, but I think the demographics of who's attending and what they want to get out of a, a facility that enhances the meetings and the face-to-face time and just that experience. So I think that's a big factor in design. We could talk a little bit about the market segments because that is a crucial element, I would imagine, in the design. Obviously, Seattle's such a, a hub for tech business and medical industry. And How did that play a role as you were thinking about the type of, of industries that are going to be holding their events there? We've always enjoyed a very high percentage of medical, global health types of business and association meetings. And part of that is fueled by the city that we're in and some of the organizations, global organizations that actually lead in those areas. So when you look at our business mix, and as I indicated, 70%-ish is professional association, and that has been one of our, I think one of the keys to 30 years of success is that associations by nature are not going to cancel. They are with you for the long haul. Certainly, those annual meetings become the critical part of funding and budgets for these associations. So we may have attendance fluctuate in good times and bad times, but they certainly don't cancel. So with a 30% mix of corporate business, we're very fortunate that a number of our technology companies and organizations here in this region, Microsoft specifically, have always committed and wanted to keep some of their business as it fits in this convention center. And so that we've grown with them and they've grown with us and certainly the design and the ability uh, for that experience for not only their customers, tech customers or employees is a big factor in the design. So yeah, we, we enjoy really an enviable market segment from the association side and certainly on the corporate side as well. So all of that is something we're counting on for the future. And I'd just add to that that the the flexibility of the convention center really allows for corporates or association groups or even the local meetings, which we do a lot of, the ability to be able to utilize the facility in a way that uh, makes it beneficial for how they want to set their their building up or their association uh, meeting planners up. And I think that is a critical component of how we took a look at the design to make sure that the building is 
technically uh, capable of handling any type of an event as well as the flexibility of the meeting spaces, the flex hall, the ballroom, and just the pre-function space. So we wanted to make sure we could uh, offer a lot of different options to the, the, the many different types of clients that come in for, uh, to the city. And has there been sort of a dialogue throughout this process or even the early design stages with some of these repeat groups that were coming? Were you speaking with them about the plans or now what are you hearing from them about their thoughts on this addition and, and what it's going to bring? Yeah, we actually uh, had two different kinds of meetings in Washington, D.C. Uh, with uh, meeting planners to, to show them the design or the elements that we were taking a look at before we had a finalized design. We also talked to uh, our major corporate uh, partners here in town as well as to the design to make sure that what we were doing met their needs and their future needs. So we had probably three or four of those kind of design charrette types of meetings that allowed for the clients to give us input that made some sense for how we structured the design of the facility, the meeting space, and what they needed as well as to run their meetings uh, inside the facility. Something that I don't think we've, we've touched on too much is, is the benefits that the addition is going to bring to the city itself. What are you projecting as far as the economic benefits of this addition? Well, currently our existing building, <clears throat> the Arch, will generate not only from our national meetings that are on the books, and we're doing annually 45 to 50 national meetings a year, but also the other meetings, hundreds of other smaller meetings that do fit that are not national in nature, but are generating in excess of $600 million a year in economic impact. And just a little over half of that is really generated from the national audience, national, I would say, and international audience. The projections for two buildings is not really to double that amount. We don't think that's feasible, but it is to really probably benefit or increase the total business by about 60% between the two facilities once the new building is stable. So the amount of impact and support for employment and tax generation is just phenomenal. And I think that's a story we, we always tell as much as we can, because I think it's, it's overlooked by many in the city. It can be overlooked by elected officials on what the value is of a center for the future uh, growth of a city. So it's pretty big numbers that we're talking about. And again, 310 million to 600 million a year of combined impact are, are pretty big numbers to look at. And I would just add to that that, you know, Tom's right. It's, you know, we're looking at a 60 to 65, 75% increase with the new building once we get up to uh, where we get it, get the business going like it should. It'll could take us a couple, three years to do that. But then also, uh, you know, we supply about 5,000 plus jobs annually with the current uh, operation. We'll probably supply another 2,600 to 3,000 jobs with the new building as well as about $26 million in, in state taxes from just the sales of stuff in the current building. And then again, another you know, 60%, $18, 19000000 million on top of that. So we're really looking at a pretty significant impact between the two buildings uh, for the events that come into the center uh, for both community locally, but also for the state as a whole. Alex, this is dangerous. I think I heard Jeff just maybe raise our goals to 75% improvement <laughs> uh, right. <Uh-oh>. <laughs> over the next few years. <laughs> just wanted to put him on notice, you know. Right. <laughs> You're on the record now. You've you got to hit those. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> no kidding. How much of that do you expect to be sort of local base versus farther flung? I would guess that probably 80% 
of those of that economic impact, 70 to 80 percent is really in the national impact level because of the size of those groups and the length of stay. But I think our convention center is also quite unique is that they compete also with many of our hotels for local and regional business meetings, high-end catering, uh, gala, social fundraising events that many centers don't compete for. So again, because of the quality of service, the size, the location, makes the center a much more viable competitor in all types of business. But I think the majority of that really is generated from a national audience. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. We have, we'll do another 150 to 200 events outside of our regular convention schedule. We haven't been able to provide any more space just because of how busy the building is. And this new, the new Summit Center will allow us to be able to provide some more opportunities for that. We have a first-class food and beverage operation here at the convention center, and uh, we do get a lot of business. We just haven't been able to offer dates for the local stuff. And so this really gives us that opportunity to really go back and take a look at how we might be able to uh, make sure that we can get local people inside the building because it's important that it's not seen as just the national folks coming in and using the building, but that it's really a combination of the ability for the locals to actually use the building as well as the nationals. And and to do that, we have to have the space available to make that happen. And how much interest have you seen so far? It's been a short window. It's uh, about a year that we've been actively selling the new building. And uh, we currently have 25 meetings that are confirmed from 2022 out into the future. We've got a, a lot of interest, of course, 50 to 60 tentative groups that are still in the process of decision-making. And that's on top of a really robust pipeline for the existing building, the Arch. So response has been great. I think there's always nervousness about construction timelines and will you open when you say you're going to open. And we literally have a number of groups that are just waiting another four, five, six months to see how we're progressing regarding 2022. But overall, it's been a great response and our team's actively selling. We say it all the time. It's uh, for, for customers that have not been to this city or this region in years, it's, it's transforming. Uh, by the time the new building opens in 2022, we will have even further progress and it will just continue to evolve in just a beautiful way, I think, that we're all very proud of, of how the city is transforming. So I think it's a, a great reason to get serious now about future dates and to let us know. We want to showcase it to a lot of people, but especially customers that want to come out and look at progress we're making, we would be all over that. We'd love to show it off, but certainly future dates for business, we would entertain. Yeah, we just add that 2023, uh, we're going to have a different community and a different way to, for people to enjoy all the different options. And I think I'm excited about that. That is being really a focal point for us to be able to go back out to customers and say, if you haven't been, then you're coming to a brand new place anyway in 22 and 23. So uh, please make it happen. And we'll be able to offer the the spaces and the, the needs that you have to be able to make your convention experience as good as it possibly can be. Tom and Jeff, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat today. A lot to think about and definitely a lot of exciting things on the horizon. for listening. This special episode of Eventful was brought to you by Visit Seattle. Learn more about the Washington State Convention Center and how to place your meeting in the heart of downtown Seattle at visitseattle.org backslash meetings. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on iTunes and be sure to subscribe for future episodes. 